Thanks for listening to another podcast from C3 Calgary West. Our hope is that this message will equip and inspire your walk with God. For more information about our church and community, check out myc3church.ca. So good. I, I love what God's doing in this place and every week what's happening. And so I, I have a bit of a, tonight I want to conclude our kind of Why Church series that's taking place. We've been looking at for the last month, Why Church? And it's a good question. Why would I come to church? Why would I be a part of a church? That kind of thing. And I hope you've enjoyed that. And, and I'm going to kind of conclude with, um, with sort of one more point on that thing. But I do want to give us an update first, uh, just as a community. I think it's important for C3 East Village uh, that when we find out things that affect us as a community, we want to pass that on. That's kind of our role in a way. So um, I guess so Pastor Brittany, uh, let me backtrack. So for the last 15 months-ish, uh, We've been meeting here at C3, sorry, C3 East Village has been meeting at Fort Calgary. It's been amazing, and we have had an amazing relationship with them, um, and, and it's awesome, and all things are good. What's taking place here come June 1st is there's actually massive renovations taking place here. Um, like, we're talking bulldozers. Where you're sitting right now will be bulldozed, and the entire building will be changed, uh, except for the heritage part of the building. But they're actually you know, going, doing quite a big thing. And we've known unofficially now that sort of we we're going to have to find a new home and uh, temporarily find a new place. We just didn't know quite what that looked like. So we had a meeting with Fort Calgary on Friday, and now it's official. Come June 1st, we'll be parting ways with Fort Calgary, um, you know, and finding a new place. And so that's four months. They've given us lots of notice, and we've had such a great, great relationship with them, and we're excited for what what's happening for them because this is going to be great, you know, new building and everything. And so... Um, I just wanted to update you guys on that because I think it's, I can't help but smile at a little bit of irony as we'll call it that, we know what it actually is, um, in that we've been looking at why church and what's come up a lot is actually church isn't about a building or a place, it's about the community, right? And so I love the fact that this is happening right now and I'm actually super excited as it's a next step for us um, as a church community. So that to say, come June 1st, we'll, uh, well before then, but we're looking for a new building, a new place where we'll be meeting together. Uh, gathering together. I have a couple places in mind already. As soon as it happened, I kind of jumped on and had a look around. But I really want to pray and not let the um, let my flesh get in the way or anything because I believe God has a great place for us for our next step as a community. So I just kind of giving you that update um, that, you know, come June 1st, we'll be moving. Um, will that be a temporary move or will it be long term? We don't know. We'll allow God to make that decision. We know how, um, but, uh, you know, they're predicting at least till September uh, we know how renovations go, and, and I, I have a construction background, so bless them with September 1st. We'll, we'll be conservative on that one and see how they go, um, and so that's the update, and we'll keep you posted, but I just ask that as a community, you'd be praying. Uh, we had such a great relationship and still do, and even financially, things have had to change a lot around here, and so there's some financial things for Fort Calgary that, that will affect us, but God's always been our provider. As Pastor Brittany shared there, personally for us, he's been that. But as a church, he's always been our provider. Now, sometimes has it looked like how we'd want it to look? No, there's been times where we haven't uh, had enough on a given week to, to really cover the cost of, of what it costs to put, put this on every week. And then the next week, God provides, and it kind of is equaled out and worked out. And so we try not to panic when we get in these moments, but zoom out, and we see God's hand upon every single part of it. So that's the update I wanted to give you. I'm excited. You know, who knows what this means for us? Maybe in the future, um, 
you know, we have, we have a bigger place. We have somewhere that we can create and make our own a little bit more. Maybe we can bring in our own food, whereas that's not an option at the moment. Um, Fort Calgary provides for us. Maybe uh, a different kids area. Maybe an earlier service time. Oh, good. I was, I was thought maybe some of you would cheer. But we want to get feedback from you guys and actually look at what that could look like as a community. So, you know, of course, come and talk to us. But you also see over the next couple of months, I'll be taking moments in the service to collect information about, you know, uh, like I said, service times and preferences and things. And just because you write it on a piece of paper doesn't mean it will happen, okay? We'll make that clear. But uh, we do want to take on board because this isn't about one or two people. This is about what God's doing in our community here. Awesome. I, I took a little bit longer with that, but I wanted to get you updated. So uh, each week we're focused on a different aspect of why church. And if you're here for the first time tonight, uh, we, we welcome you here. So good that you're, you're here with us. We're at the end of a series. And so um, there's a whole bunch of back, back context that I'm just going to summarize quickly. But really, you know, jump on, get a podcast, that kind of thing, if you want to find out more. But, um, but you know, we've looked at, we've covered a lot in the four weeks. Uh, we've looked at in the church and why we'd be a part of a church and what it is. We've looked at identity. We've looked at purpose. We've looked at place community. We've looked at sanctification. We've looked at Jesus as the head of the church. Direction, importance, obedience to the Word of God, that, that the church is where a Christian can flourish if we approach and see it biblically. And we've looked at the church being an imperfect place because it's made of, of imperfect people such as myself and maybe a couple of you here that might not have it all figured out yet. But when we get together, we sharpen each other. The church isn't just for our satisfaction, it's for our sanctification. Um, we've looked at kind of these things, and uh, a lot of it has been, I've been really convicted and, and um, learning more about the, the church, the early church in the book of Acts, and through the letters that, he, uh, that Paul and, and the other apostles there and disciples write to the church about, actually it talks a lot about our love for each other is actually meant to be an example for the world. Our love for each other here first in this community, how we love each other will be an example to the world. That's been quite convicting to me. To me. But what I want to give us is the other side of why church, and that's reaching outwards, looking outwards. A part of our purpose is actually not to just look inwards, but to look outwards at the world around us and the opportunities that God has. I believe the church is meant to continually, deliberately, intentionally be looking for opportunities to shine God's light in this city. We, uh, I, I believe, and, and I know many of us here believe, as followers of Christ, individually and corporately, we are meant to be outward focused, having eyes to see those, uh, eyes to see and ears to hear what God is asking us to not only do as an individual, but who He's asking us to reach. Um, so, a couple of statistics before we jump into the the, the word here tonight. Uh, we're going to be in Acts two again to start with. So, if you have your Bibles, you can start turning there. But Statistics across North America at the moment, um, it's quite an amazing thing. This was taken by the University of New Jersey. 70% of people express feelings of loneliness and disconnect from community. 70% of people. That's a lot. Lifeway Research uh, has their most recent studies. Um, it says about inviting people to church and inviting them to community because church, like I said, isn't the building. It's the community. 67% of North Americans say that a personal invitation from a family member would be very or somewhat effective to getting them to visit a church. 63% of Americans say a personal invitation from a friend or neighbor would be very or somewhat effective in getting them to visit a church. 
70% of people expressed loneliness, and very close to that, um, with these statistics, would say that people would respond to us actually inviting them to community. We can be a solution to not only that concerning statistic that people, that many people are lonely, 70%, but ultimately the bigger issue, and that is disconnect from a loving God who wants a relationship with them. We can actually be that solution. And so, um, you know, and so as we jump into this, I, I guess I just want a, a bit of a confession time as, as pastor of the church. I, I have a passion for reaching the lost and reaching outwards. Absolutely, that's a passion that God's put in me and that I've developed. I was once not in church and then someone invited me along. But I am guilty of having tunnel vision on this issue sometimes. And really emphasize, I've almost done that to the point of neglecting the beautiful, amazing community that God's brought here for us. And so, and even, you know, um, and so I, I just apologize for that. I apologize that we haven't maybe cared for you or we've overlooked out of an excitement for reaching outwards if I've overlooked the need for care in this community. We're taking steps to, um, to you know, be a more caring community that looks after inwards. We have um, a care team now, and um, we're doing next steps next week. I uh, did Pastor Brittany talk about next steps because I was I had a crying baby. It was hard to hear, um, but where we can you know get you plugged in and care for you. But my point is, I, I apologize for having tunnel vision on that. On one hand, it's not meant to be one or the other. We're not meant to be only outward focused or only inward focused. We're actually meant to be both, and that's kind of what I'm going to talk about tonight. Um, so I'm going to continue to pray and think and dream and act upon how we can reach this city. I believe Calgary will be a city for Christ. I believe that. Do you believe it? Like, God can still do that. It doesn't just end. Cities have been changed. Nations have been changed, and they will again. I believe that. I'm praying of how we can reach outwards. But I'm going to do a bit more effort into praying about also how can we care and protect us inwardly here as a community. It's not meant to be one or the other. So what is the reason to be planted in a church? It's to support each other and to reach out to others. It's pretty simple. I shared this scripture last week, but I want to look at it again. This is the early church, just as it's forming there after uh, Jesus has has gone to the cross, resurrected. He's come and and visited the guys and and sent them out, and they're starting to gather a community of faith. And so chapter 2, verse 42, we'll start out. It says, speaking of the early believers, and they devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching and the fellowship, to the teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were unified. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So then we see in the book of Acts, we, uh, what happens is now that it's gone from an organic smaller community to start to grow and they've been putting systems and things in place and people are starting to take a bit more notice of them, we see persecution come upon the church, the early believers. We see logistical problems, um, just the mere fact of people being people and, and those imperfect things. All this stuff starts to happen, um, and re- the ruling powers at the time really start to knuckle down on this uh, this new sect, as they would have called it. Um, and then we find ourselves at Acts 8.4, where the church has been scattered. And it says, I just want to highlight one verse from here, uh, 8 verse 4, it says, Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Okay, so up until that point, we'd really only heard about the... Uh, the apostles and the leaders preaching. But as of Acts 8, it shifts that anybody preached the word wherever they went. They were scattered. 
And since then, the living church of God um, has not spread predominantly just by one or two people. Or, you know, we've, we've had these amazing evangelists over time, like the Billy Grahams and these great guys who have done awesome things God's used. But predominantly, the church hasn't grown or hasn't spread because of these speakers or these preachers. It's actually because of the church being the church, of all of us going out and reaching this world around us. Michael Green, who's a historian, particularly around uh, church history, says, Christianity was supremely a lay movement spread by informal missionaries. The spontaneous outreach of the total Christian community gave immense um, impetus to the movement from the very outset. Sorry, that word threw me there for a second. Um, so this, this, he's, and he's a specialized. He's saying it wasn't the ones or twos or the preachers. It was actually the, the entire church, that everybody had a part to play in growing the church. And so it'd be easy for me to get up to tonight as we answer that question, why church? Um, that'll cut on the screen of that we should reach outwards. And it'd be easy for me to say, um, well, we should all invite someone to church. Maybe you were invited to church tonight. That's awesome. Maybe in your, a few weeks ago, or however you found yourself here, you were invited. I, I think we all know that we should be inviting and, and uh, bringing people, but that doesn't really change anything, me just saying that. Um, I hope that we are. But really, we're not just inviting someone to church, and that's not the purpose of the church. We're inviting people to Jesus. We're inviting people to, to be connected to God, a God who loves them, every single person. And a part of that, I believe strongly, I believe biblically, is that the church will play a role in that. But the, the, the result that we're after isn't just to grow some church, to grow some community that's really big for the sake of it. It's actually to grow the kingdom of God, that people would meet Jesus. So don't think of it as inviting someone to church. You're actually inviting them to meet Jesus. And for many of us here, um, maybe we came into church community first, and we, we loved the idea of community, and we were around for a while, and then Jesus revealed himself to us, and we met Jesus. That, did anyone have that experience? Yeah, some nods and hands, and I know of some people here. That's amazing. You came to church first, and you met Jesus. For other people, maybe you met Jesus first, and then you came to be a part of a community. That's awesome. doesn't matter. What matters is that you've met Jesus. You've met Jesus. And so that's kind of, it, it doesn't, there's no right or wrong way about it. What matters is that we got connected to God. But a big part of that, to me, is actually whether um, as we walk with Jesus, as we walk with God, we get planted in a church community. And so two things tonight, pretty simple message for you of uh, answering the question, why would I want to be part of a church that encourages me to look outwards? Why would I want to be a part of a church that encourages me to look outwards? You know, we can get very comfortable in life, can't we? I know I can. And, and you know, we, we have the same circle of people. We have the same group. We, we're comfortable. We, we enjoy coming to church. We enjoy the worship. We enjoy the whatever. We think the, the preaching's tolerable because of all the other awesome stuff that goes on at church. Um, all these kind of things that take place. And we can get quite comfortable. I, I, I know I can. So why would I want to be a part of a church that encourages me to look outwards? Well, the two things tonight that I just want to speak to and share some scripture on is obedience and fulfillment. Obedience and fulfillment. Obedience, it freaks me out a bit that that seems to be a dirty word these days in, in many circles. We've gotten very good at grasping the, the great only thing from God. And I'm a grace preacher. I, I, that's, I'm a grace guy. The grace of God is the only thing 
that, that ultimately matters. Works will not achieve anything. It, it, it's, through, it's through faith by the grace of God that we are saved. So I'm a grace guy. Hi, I'm Stephen. If you don't know me, I'm a grace guy. So I love the grace of God. Okay, but, but what I've seen and what I've experienced is that we can sometimes neglect the obedience factor. And actually, grace isn't an excuse for us not to be obedient to God and, and His Word. It actually empowers us to a greater level of obedience. Grace empowers us to obedience. But I, I hear so many times, and, and I see so many times around me, people who use the grace cover for not being obedient with what God's trying to cover them off. Well, God loves me anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, He does. It's good. But He delights in our obedience. He delights in our obedience. So I want to speak to that and then fulfillment. The Bible speaks of us being a light and a salt to the people around us. It speaks of us transforming the world around us, that we are to include others, that we are a city on a hill, that we are placed in our context with a purpose of connecting people to God's love. Um, you know, it says in 1 Peter uh, chapter 3, uh, to be ready to give an account, be prepared to give an account of our faith. It actually says, I love there, it says, respectfully and gently, but we have to be ready. So he's not just talking to, to church leaders or preachers or to me here. He's talking to all of us to be ready to actually give an account for our faith. Why do we believe what we believe? What's it done in our world? What's our story? That's a part for all of us to play. In Timothy, Paul's instruction, he says, be ready in, out, in and out of season. Matthew 28, uh, verse 16 to 20, this is the, what's known as the Great Commission. This is Jesus speaking to his, to his disciples. And I, and I love this, and I've just been looking at this again. This is, he's speaking to his disciples, but actually he's speaking to, to all of the future of the church, of what our mission is. It says, go therefore, uh, it says, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. Uh, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Okay, I want to stop there. Some doubted. You know, some of us need to just get over our doubts and think that that actually affects God's position on the throne. It doesn't. It's okay to have doubts. The guys are here in front of Jesus and they're having doubts. It's okay to have doubts. If, you don't, if you're not convinced 100% all the time, that's okay. But what are you going to do with that? That's what matters. Where are you going to take that? What people are you going to go and talk to about that? How are you going to approach that? So, so if you're having doubts, don't disqualify yourself. That happens in life. But it's what are we going to do with those doubts? So and when they, they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I'm glad that Jesus has the authority and that I don't. Verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is Jesus' commission to us. Go. He says, go. He says, go out there into all the world or all the nations or all the people groups. I love that God uses imperfect people, right? Because these, these disciples, we get a, a airy-fairy idea of, of who they were. But in, this, in the Gospels and then in the book of Acts, we see the very issues that many of us um, can suffer with including myself, that come up. You know, the disciples were prideful at times. They were angry at times. If anyone can, can anyone relate to Peter? Am I the only one that sometimes get a little bit, Calgary traffic sometimes. Um, you know, uh, they were fearful. They actually ran from Jesus. 
they suffered. They, they, they didn't have it all together, but they gave it to God and they changed the world. And we're a result of these guys. Like this, this is the thing that's going on. So, so God uses imperfect people uh, to go out into all the nations. I'm so happy he uses imperfect people. I'm so happy. And so none of us here uh, are disqualified. None of us are not pretty enough, not got it together. So many people I talk to, uh, and, I, and I say young people, maybe I just happen to talk to young people more, but I think it, it's something multi-generational, is I hear them say, yeah, I'm just waiting to get this figured out until I share my faith with my friend. I just want to work on this before I invite someone to church. I just need to get this sorted out, and then I'll get planted in a church. Okay, here's a little truth bomb for you. You're never going to get it all sorted out. There's always going to be something. The disciples always had something. Now, that's not an excuse for us not to work on it, but we can't use our failings, our weaknesses as an excuse not to look outwards, is my point. I love in John 1, this is a story of... Uh, of Jesus really just starting to step into that authority. He's lived, lived his 30 years, and now he's um, being revealed as the Son of God, and he's collecting his disciples. And we see John the Baptist here. Uh, so John 1 verse 35, who John the Baptist was preparing the way for Jesus to come. He was the, the guy who was um, just before, prior to Jesus, and during his time, he was actually related to Jesus, um, which is it's just a cool little thing in there. But it says here, so the John that it's speaking of is him. It says, the next day as John stood there again with his two, two of his disciples. So he had disciples that he was teaching. Um, Jesus went past and John looked towards him. So he looked towards Jesus and he said, look, there is the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard what he said and followed Jesus. So we've got John standing there. He's like, he's got his boys with him, his homeboys. He says, look, there's Jesus. And by the time he looks across, they've already gone. They've jumped ship. But I love about John that he is pointing people to Jesus. And that's what we're meant to be. We're meant to be a, a John the Baptist. But it says, so these guys followed. The two disciples heard what he said and followed Jesus. Jesus turned around, saw them following and said, what do you want? I don't know if he said it like that. He was probably nicer. What do you want? He was probably a little bit more Canadian about it. And the two disciples Oh, sorry, keep going back. What do you want? They answered, Rabbi, which means teacher. Where do you live? He replied, come and see. So they went and saw where he lived and stayed with him that day. It was about the 10th hour. One of these two who had became the followers of Jesus after hearing what John had said was Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter. The first thing Andrew did was find his brother and say to him, we have found the Messiah, which means the Christ. And he took Simon to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John, and you are to be called um, Peter or, or Cyphus, which means rock. The next day, after Jesus had decided to leave, he met Philip and said, follow me. Philip came from the same town, and Bethsaida, as Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael, there's a lot of names going around, and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said, from, from, I don't know, like I, I'm kind of just trying to read through this and paraphrase it at the same time. Um, can, basically, he says, can anything good come out of that place? I, I get, I've had that said about me coming from Tasmania, where I'm from. The rest of the Australia says that Tasmanians have two heads because we're all inbred because we're on a small island. You can see my scar later on if you want. But he says, can anything good come from that place? Philip replied, here it is, come and see. Okay, so what we've got here in this passage, it goes on and on, but... We have John points towards Jesus. Jesus invites someone to come and hang out. 
Andrew shares his revelation and takes. So we have someone pointing, we have someone inviting, we have someone taking somebody to experience what he has experienced. Have you ever seen with someone who, um, you know, is new to the faith and, and just meets Jesus, there's something on them that they just want to bring people. They just want to invite people. And for us who have been in church maybe for a while, I don't know what it is. Um, we sometimes can get a little bit familiar and think that everybody knows what we know and lives in the grace that we get to live in. They don't. They don't. There's people around us all the time that, that we're just, they're just dying for that truth of God to be revealed in their life. And you can be a part of that. You have a place in that. And so here, I don't care whether it's, you know, you kind of got to pray and figure that out. Are you meant to be pointing towards Jesus like John was here? Are you meant to be bringing someone along? Maybe it's bringing them to a, a dinner party that we have. Maybe it's bringing them to church. Maybe it's literally bringing them to a prayer meeting or to Jesus or whatever it might be. The point is there's different methods, but everybody's looking outward. When they have an experience with Jesus, their eyes shift to including other people in. So why would I want to be a bringer? It's obedience to God. But there's more to it than just obedience. You know, and there's many more scriptures we could go into about the importance of including and bringing people, but, but we won't. You can do that in your own time if you're unconvinced. I think we all kind of know that, but maybe it doesn't shift something in us for whatever reason. I pray that we would become a church that brings. Not just a church, but brings people to Jesus. Some of you guys are so good at this, naturally. I could start pointing fingers. I won't. Some of you guys are amazing. I, I'm not. I have to really actually work on this and be intentional on this. If that I'm going for a walk or in a cafe or in my library, I actually have to pray and say, God, give me your eyes. Who do you want me to speak to here? And the amazing thing is when I do that, when I'm actually intentional, I'll, I'll, I'll get kind of a, I'll notice someone, someone will stand out to me, someone will start up a conversation, and we end up in some way talking about faith, talking about Jesus, talking about God, but we have to be intentional. Some of you guys, you sneeze next to someone and they meet Jesus. I love you guys. You're awesome. If you're not one of them, it doesn't, it doesn't mean, it doesn't give us an excuse not to. We have to be a little bit more intentional and, and pray about that. Not out of works, out of the grace of God that empowers us to be obedient to his word. So the second thing of why would I want to be, and the reason I'm answering this is because I've had people say, to this, say this to me, you always talk about a growing church and us growing and expanding. Why would I want to be a part of that? That doesn't sound comfortable to me. So obedience to God's word, I believe. And the second part would be fulfillment. Fulfillment in your world. I guarantee you, if you can catch the importance of being outward focused, it becomes contagious. When you see someone actually meet Jesus or take that step to get prayed for or to maybe leave that 70% of people who feel lonely and come into the 30% of people who find a community and find a place to connect, it's contagious. It's, it's when you see that fruit, there's nothing like it. To see someone going from not knowing God's love and grace and stepping into it is one of the most beautiful, amazing, awesome things that we get to be a part of. I know some of this stuff might be obvious, but I don't think we let it translate from our heads to our hearts sometimes. We are part of the greatest, most important thing on planet Earth in preaching Jesus and what he's done. It's not a tag on. It's not just something that, well, that's nice. How does it affect me? It changes everything. It changes everything. So for personal fulfillment, he chose to include us in being a light to the world. Oh, man, if I was God, I wouldn't have done that. I'm messy. I mess it up sometimes, and I do things wrong, and, and, but God loves us so much that he wants us to be a part 
of reaching this city. He, we try to find meaningfulness in so many different things that we're not meant to, that we're not wired to. I love the book of Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 12. Well, that's where we'll end up. But at the start of that, um, this is Solomon, the wisest man to ever live, one of the wealthiest men to ever live, apparently had it all by world standards. Um, he had hundreds and hundreds of, of wives and all kinds of things. You know, one's enough for me. It's a bit of a handful, but no. And, and Solomon, the wisest man ever. I guess two points on this. He was the wisest man ever, and he made so many mistakes in his life, and he didn't end well. Wow. So what's that saying about our ability as humans, that we actually need to tap into a greater source than ourselves? Um, but, but the wisest man, and he, he, at the end of his life, and he's looking back at his life, and, and he writes these amazing words in chapter one, you should check it out there, uh, especially if you're more of a melancholy person, you, you'll love this book. It's meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Or folly, folly, everything is folly. That's how he starts it, right? You know you're in for a treat, an encouraging word when he starts with meaningless, meaningless. But, but then he goes on to, to talk about how he tried to experience all the things that money could buy him, and it, he still left with a desire in, in, inside of him. Go on to, went on to experience the greatest foods and all the things, and he tried living the opposite. And he went through all the things that we still today try and find fulfillment in. And he found them to be meaningless and not to be fulfilling in his life. So, and his conclusion at the end, uh, chapter 12, verse 13 he says, now all has been heard. So now that he's laid out all these things, and I do encourage you to check that out. Sometimes people see the first line, they're like, oh, no, I'm not going there. I'm not going into it. But 12 verse 13, he says, now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. Fear God. And that doesn't mean fear in a scary way. It means reverence. It means worship. It means a holy fear of God. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. And really what he's saying there in the translation is this is where you'll find fulfillment. It's not meant to be in the things of this world. It's meant to be in God and keeping his commandments, of which is to love God. So that's the fear of God and to love others, to be outward reaching, outward focused. I've found uh, in my world, and I I believe biblically, and I've seen it in many of the... um, you know, th- issues that I, I get to struggle through people with and stand with and pray for as a pastor is I found that too much inward focus actually is counterproductive to the result that we are aiming for. Too much inward focus actually is counterproductive to the result we are aiming for. You know, so we're going through something and we, and we look inwards and we're all about inner healing and, and I'm not dismissing the need to look inwards. We shouldn't neglect sin, things in our world, like you know what I'm saying. But when we get so focused on ourselves and our own circumstances, we actually start to spiral down into a hole that we can't get out of. But on the other hand, when I've seen people who even though they're going through struggles, even though they're not perfect, even though they have situations in their life which aren't good, and they decide to look outwards, it actually plays a role in healing some of that inner stuff that would have never got dealt with, never got healed uh, if we weren't, you know, if we stayed down that, that tunnel. Do you know what I mean there? Like, so too much, I've found that too much inward focus in my life where I'm just going, no, I need to get all healed up before I do anything is actually so counterproductive to the result that we're they're after that inward focus often restricts our ability, restricts my ability to step into the freedom that Jesus has attained for me. It's already been done on the cross. I've got to point to the right one. The cross. It's already been done. The victory's been won, right? Amen. The healing's been won. The, the salvation's been won. Everything's been done on the cross. 
But life is about us catching up to that and stepping into that and that being revealed in our world. And so if we're only focused inwards, it restricts our ability to step into that freedom. I found that so many times. And um, so some of us need to, to actually just stop being so self-focused. And I guarantee you the result will be as you look outwards, as you start to see the people that God's bringing around you, some of that stuff that you think is a big issue or a big problem in your life actually becomes a little bit insignificant. You know, one of the best things for me when I'm going through, this is what I do. Let you in a little bit on my world here of often when I'm going through a struggle, whether that's financially in my family, in my relationship with Brittany, we're having an argument, whatever's going on, uh, I drive. I go for a drive. That's what I do. I, I go think and I drive. I listen to worship music and work it out. And pretty much every time I think I'm going through something, I'll be driving along and I'll find a hitchhiker that God puts on my heart to pick up. I'm not saying you should do that necessarily. Or if I'm walking, I'll find someone come up to me and say, hey, man, can you spare me some food? And so what I do is I sit down and I, talk, and I say, of course, um, most of the time, not always, um, but I listen to God in that. And I get them to tell me their story. And I find out that all my problems, pff, they go away compared to what some people are going through. But when I'm inward focused, it's the biggest problem in the world. But when I actually have eyes to see what God's doing around me and, and some of the other stuff and how blessed I actually am, it puts it all into perspective. And, I, and it's great getting an opportunity. To, that's for me. What is it for you that helps you become not inward focused but actually look outwards? I encourage you, if, if you find this hard, try it. Do it. Commit to a month of being outward focused and see the inner healing that it'll actually bring for you. Or should I say that God will bring and release in your world as you stop being so focused on our problems. Um, so I just wanted to finish here, uh, jumping that. So that, that's kind of the two things there. Obedience to Word of God is why you'd want to be a part of a growing community that looks outwards and actually fulfill, fulfillment in fearing God and obeying His commandments, which kind of leads into that obedience anyway. But, but I just kind of want to remind us about what we have here if you know Jesus in this place. And if you don't know Him, you've never met Him, you'll have an opportunity in about eight minutes to, to respond and meet Him. But there's this beautiful summary of the gospel in Ephesians chapter 2. Um, and, and I just kind of want to let this remind us of actually what we get to walk in and, and how we can actually not just, that's not just meant to be for ourselves, but for those around us. I love it. Ephesians is such an awesome book. And so the verses just prior to this talk about, um, talk about Jesus actually being over the church. And I, and I hope you know that, that, that Brittany and I have the great honor of pastoring this church, but, but really it's, it's pastor Jesus. And we try to facilitate and harness that with the team and Holy Spirit. We get stuff wrong in that. But this is a church uh, that Jesus is building. And we get to partner with that. But, and then it goes into this amazing here in verse 1, Ephesians 2. And you who were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived, not some of us, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Oh man, there's a, there's a lot in this. Okay, you convinced me. We're going to uh, preach verse by verse through Ephesians 2 uh, over the summer. That's the book that we're doing, because this is an amazing, I love Ephesians. You guys twisted my arm there. Well done. But I, I, what I want to highlight tonight is it says we all, whether you grew up in a Christian home or not, whether you have appeared to keep all the rules or not, we all at some point fight the battle of living out of our flesh. Okay, this isn't just speaking to people who are outside 
the church or believers. It's speaking to all of us. And it's a constant battle. And has it been won completely by Jesus? Yes. We're going to look at that. But then we have to continuously actually live that out. So verse 4, it says here, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in those trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming age He might show the immeasurable, we can't even measure the riches of His grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are, his, he, we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Oh, wow, this Scripture is so much in it. I can't even, oh, okay, Lord, help me, Lord, help me, Lord. Um, this excites me. I want you to get excited by this. That's, that's a great one of the, there's some verses that really summarize what Jesus did for us. That's one of them. It's amazing. What does it mean for you? What does it mean for me? What does it change? It changes everything. How we walk, how we talk, how we prioritize, what we see as important, what we seek after, how we treat others, where we find meaning, how we react in situations. We got to stop believing this just with our heads and start believing it in our heart. This changes everything. We were dead, but through Christ Jesus, we have been made alive. We were stuck in our trespasses, but have been saved from them. We were low, but have been raised up into a heavenly place to have a heavenly view. Through faith in Christ, not through striving or climbing or checking the right boxes. All that's just filthy rags compared to Jesus Christ and what He has done for us. Do you believe it? I said, do we believe it? Some of us do. So if God did this for us, my question is tonight for us to reflect on, did He do it for others? If He rescued us, He rescued me from myself, would He want to rescue others? If He lifts me up into heavenly places and gives me a heavenly view, does He want that for others? You know, if someone shared with you or brought you to church at some point, or you were raised in a family that, that brought you to an understanding of what that Scripture summarizes there, um, and, and what Jesus actually means in our world. If, if you were brought by somebody, uh, does that mean that maybe there's a whole bunch of other people out there who are just waiting for someone to bring them to that same revelation and have their world absolutely changed? So in summary, I guess, if we understand our place in Christ and our place in the body and we continue to grow in that, some of the lesser stuff we try and find our fulfillment in will become much smaller. And our relationship with God will become bigger with others and inviting others. That's where we will find purpose, passion, joy, and motivation. But we need to get the revelation that this isn't something we, we have to do to obtain God's love. He loves you so much. His grace is upon you so much. But let's not just see grace as forgiveness. Let's see grace as an empowering to go out and change the world around us. Because that's what it is. That's what the grace of God does. So I guess we're concluding why church tonight? And I'd say a good summary maybe of why church is that church is for you, but it's also for those who are not here yet. And you have a part to play in that. Thanks for listening. 
Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.